Hey, Sarah here. Summer is fast approaching, and here's what I propose. A relaxed and simple summer that offers just enough structure to keep those long, sticky days from melting into chaos, and just enough fun to keep your kids asking for more. Also, fairy tales. Lots of fairy tales. (laughs) I'm teaching a free workshop called Three Simple Steps to a Fairy Tale Summer, and I would love for you to join me. Save your free seat at the workshop by texting the word fairy tale, all one word, to the number 33777. See you there. listening to the Read Aloud Revival Podcast. This is the podcast that helps you make meaningful and lasting connections with your kids through books. Hey, 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 Sarah McKenzie here. You're listening to episode 58 of the Read Aloud Revival podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in today. As always, it's a treat for me to spend a little time with you. Happy Valentine's Day. If you're listening to this on the day it airs, then it is Valentine's Day 2017. Another really fun day happening this week is World Read Aloud Day. Have you heard of it? World Read Aloud Day was created by litworld.org. That's Pam Allen and her crew there, if you're familiar with their work at all. Every year, World Read Aloud Day calls global attention to the importance of reading aloud and sharing stories with kids. That's basically what we're all about here at the Read Aloud Revival, right? So we're excited to join in the fun. To celebrate World Read Aloud Day, which is this Thursday, February 16th, 2017, we'll be doing a blitz of giveaways on Instagram. You'll get a chance to win some of our favorite books. All you have to do to join in on the fun is head to Instagram dot com slash read aloud revival. Make sure you're following our read aloud revival account. It's going to be a blast. Uh, The first giveaway will go up around 7 a.m. Pacific on Thursday, February 16th, and then we'll keep rolling them out all day long. You'll actually have a chance to win seven different prizes on Thursday. We'll be posting a new giveaway every two hours all day long from 7 a.m. to 7 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. Fun, right? That's Instagram.com slash Read Aloud Revival. Make sure you're following us there to get in on those giveaways. I can't wait. It's going to be a blast. Now, today I have a new guest for you, one you might not have heard of before, but I'm not going to introduce him myself. I'm going to let him do that. Let's get on to the interview. Well, Jim, welcome to the Read Aloud Revival. We're thrilled to have you here. Before we get started, do you want to tell us a little bit about yourself and what you do? I record books. I take classic literature and and books that I have found that I really either enjoyed myself or thought others would, and I do a complete word-for-word, unabridged recording. I act out the parts to the best of my ability. And the thing that I love about this business, number one, I'm an actor at heart. I love to perform. So for me to take a book and read it out loud and figure out what the 
personalities are of all of the different characters and bring that to life through an audio is just really it's fun for me. I love I love going to work. Jim, introduce our audience to Henty for anyone who may not okay. know who he is. Who who is G.A. Henty and why do you read so many of his works? I chose Henty as an author, not because I was personally so enamored of him. In fact, I had never heard of him when I told my friends, when we homeschooled our kids all the way through high school, we had a lot of homeschooling families and friends in our church and, you know, we'd hang out with them and they knew that I wanted to start an audiobook business and I was getting to, getting ready to retire from the Navy. And I said, you know, what? who should I record? What should I record? And family after family said, you should record the Henty novels. And I bought a couple of them from a friend who was a dealer of the books at the time. And I read Whitley in Virginia. I read In Freedom's Cause. I read For the Temple. And they were adventurous. They were historical fiction, but historically so historically accurate. The hero characters were young men of sterling and noble character. They were Christian, but they weren't trying to convert anybody. It was just, it was part and parcel of the story. And so I went back to Ruby Reeves, the woman that I bought the books from, and I said, are all of his books like this? She said, There's, they're all like that. I said, how many did he write? Said 122. I said, okay, I think I've found my author. <laughs> um, because, I think I know what I'm going to do with the next several years of my life. <laughs> yeah, right, the next couple of decades of <laughs> yeah. my life. And that really, for me, the primary reason was because of the character role modeling that goes on. Kids love a hero. And these heroes, they're Christian heroes. And they don't wear their faith on their sleeve, but it is so part and parcel of them that it influences every decision that they make and every action that they take. And I love history. I love theater. I love to read. And so all of this was just a perfect package for me. And Henty fit that bill in a big, big way. And I've got, I think I'm working on title number 27 now. So when I finish the book I'm currently working on, I'll only have 95 to go. <laughs> I hope you have a big tally, <laughs> big chart of hanging up on your wall. Oh my gosh, it's, <laughs> it's mind boggling to me. I'm I consider myself fortunate if I can get two Henties done in a year. Now, remember, I'm recording other stuff, too. I'm doing the homeschool convention circuit. And so, you know, a Henty will take about two weeks to a month to prepare. I'm reading the book. I'm making a list of all of the city names, people names, unusual vocabulary words that he's using. And I have to research online as much as I can. How do you correctly pronounce this? How would a local person pronounce this? And so fortunately, last year, I knew that I was going to be recording The Lion of St. Mark, which takes place in Venice. I also knew that my wife and I were celebrating our 35th anniversary, and that was one of the places we were going to go on a, on a trip. So I took my pronunciation guide with me. And I found a shopkeeper who spoke English. And I said, would you read these out loud to me like a Venetian would read them? And he said, sure. And this was four and a half pages of words. 
but I got a local to pronounce them so that I could draw up a pronunciation guide so I could, as much as I was able, not being a native Venetian, pronounce these words like a Venetian would. And I got to write off a portion of the trip because, you know, it was a business trip. Perfect. So, <laughs> of course yeah, it was. <laughs> you know, you wrap all this stuff together. But, you know, that's if I could go to every country that I was recording a story about, that would be perfect for me. Then, I, And I would do exactly that. I haven't been able to do that. But I've got French accents, British accents, German accents, you know, Irish accents. And so I love that. I have to say that's an art because I know I am not very great with accents, but I, I do like a killer Mary Poppins, like a, oh, yeah, yeah, <laughs> a really yeah, yeah, great yeah. British accent. But no matter what book we're reading, I always sound British when I try to use an accent. Uh. So, you know, <laughs> it's an art to be able to do those little nuances, changes in. Well, you know, yeah. it's funny to me because I don't feel like I do. I don't do as good a job as I would like to be able to do. But it seems like the people that listen think I do a fine job. So, you know, I'm happy with that. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's perfect. So you said it takes about six months, right, to do a henti or, you know. Uh, you no, do no, no. Okay. It takes about a, almost a month of prep time. Got it. And then I only record one chapter a day. And the reason I do that is because when you're doing half a dozen different voices in the same chapter. And we're talking men and women, young and old, brothers that kind of sound alike, but they can't be identical, older gentlemen, et cetera, et cetera, workaday guys and, and nobles. That puts a strain on your vocal cords. So one chapter of a henti by the time I'm finished recording is about 45 minutes long. Well, I want to make sure that I'm fresh for every chapter. I want every time I say chapter six, chapter seven, chapter eight, I want to sound in that chapter like I did on the first chapter and on chapter 25 like I did on chapter three. So I only record one chapter a day. Well, they, they're typically 20, 22, 23 chapters long. So that's a six day work week for a month. Right. So, right. And then I have to go back uh, and re-record sentences that I messed up and insert those in and that so that's two months now I've spent on this book and then there's another month of finding the proper cover working with the publisher to actually design the cover and get him the chapter tracks and times and all of that kind of stuff and then to give them time to produce it and then get it back to me I'm totally going to spring this on you I didn't ask you this ahead of time yeah. but would you do a reading for us would you read like a few paragraphs or something for us sure I can do that there was little sleep for the boys that night. A visit to London had long been one of their wildest ambitions, and they could scarcely believe that thus, suddenly, and without preparation, it was about to take place. Their father had, some time before, promised that he would someday make request to one or other of the young veers to allow them to ride to London in his suite, but the present seemed to them an even more delightful plan. There would be the pleasure of the voyage, and moreover, it would be much more lively for them to be able to see London under the charge of John Lirriper than to be subject to the ceremonial and restraint that would be enforced in the household of the Veres. They were then at the appointed place a full hour before the time named, with wallets containing their clothes and a basket of provisions that their mother had prepared for them. Having stowed these away in the little cabin, they walked up and down impatiently until Master Lirriper himself appeared. I, you know what? It's fun because I get to watch you read that. And so it's fun yeah. to watch your body language. Like you can just feeling it like oh, as you're reading yeah. it. You're yeah. 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 I feel like an Italian when I'm reading because, you know, <laughs> I, 
<laughs> I actually had my arms crossed, which is not typical. I usually just kind of leave them free, but maybe I was feeling a little intimidating. Sorry. <laughs> I'm a nice audience, I promise. hardest part about reading aloud something like that there are certain words that i run across that are common everyday words but somehow because of the order in which the author puts them they don't come off the tongue easily like i don't know sometimes i the most times that i have had to read a sentence before i got it right was 7 times Oof. because if you don't put the pause in the right place. If you don't emphasize the right word, if you don't put with your voice parentheses around a sub portion of that sentence, by the time you're finished with it, it may or may not make sense. There has to be the right pause and emphasis and asides. And and so I consider my primary responsibility not to read the words to you. You can get a Kindle to do that. My job is to ensure that I read every word that the author wrote, I interpret it in the way that he intended, and you come away from that sentence with information in your head, not just words. You have to understand the idea of what he was trying to get across in that sentence. That is my primary responsibility. And to do it clearly and pronounce the words correctly and read it with the right lilt and pause and emphasis so that it is engaging for your brain. The funny thing is, I am not personally an auditory learner. If I put on an audiobook, my brain wanders. I'm a reader. Okay, yeah. Uh, so, but I am an actor. I'm a, I'm a performer. So I'm taking that word and bringing it to life. And that, that I just I just can't believe that I get to do this. I just can't believe that this is my job. Well, I am an auditory learner. I find that um, I Perfect. I read a lot of books, but I listen to a lot of books too, especially probably in part, I have become even more voracious in my auditory learning as a mother because I have lots of things to do like laundry. Sure, <laughs> I can sure, listen to sure. a lot more books if I'm listening. But the way you read and when a reader gets that exactly like you said, the lilt and the cadence just right, it really makes the story come alive for me. It makes it so yeah. much easier for me to listen and enjoy it rather than and listen and feel like I have to understand what it is that's happening. Yeah, I mean, exactly. You have to be able to picture this in your head. You have to be able to understand what's going through the mind of the of the characters and what's going through the mind of the author. And every now and then, it's really interesting, every now and then, very rarely, maybe three or four times in all 27 of these books that I've recorded, or 25, the uh, Henty actually steps out of the story and tells you his opinion about something. And then he comes back into the story. It's really interesting. I love it when he does it because it's always something, you know, kind of neat and unusual for an author to do. But he only does it when it's it's real when he thinks it's really a really important thing to say. So I don't know. I just I just love doing this. And, you know, my goal is to as much as I can, because the author's dead. He died in 1902. So I can't ask him what he meant by this. But as much as I am able to take his words and say them in the way that I think he heard them in his head when he was when he was writing them. Yeah. So yeah, that's good. Yeah. Okay. so you said something earlier, too. You said that you want to make sure you read every word. So your your books are always unabridged. Is that right? Correct. And then what ages do you think the G.A. Henty books are especially good for? I think that 10 and older, really 10 and up to adulthood is I think your average 10-year-old 
can listen to a henti unabridged and enjoy it and get information out of it and learn things and it will be beneficial. I have customers who have told me that they've got six-year-olds and seven-year-olds and eight-year-olds who love to listen to my recordings of the Henty novels. And they're learning vocabulary for sure. They're learning how you change your voice and do the pause and emphasis and cadence and all of that to convey emotion and intent and but I, I just can't I just can't see that there's too many six or seven year olds who are really getting the story of a ten and a half to thirteen hour long book. It just doesn't seem likely to me. So I'm assuming that they like the sound of my voice more than anything. But ten and up, nine and up, eight and up, I think is quite possible and quite reasonable. Ten and up for sure. Okay. The books themselves, I would not typically hand them to a child who was any younger than twelve or thirteen though. Yeah, because you can yeah, you can listen to things that are above your ability exactly. to which to is read. part of the benefit there is that we're exactly yeah, yeah. I was just going to say that that beautiful language that's written or read aloud by someone with a pleasant voice and the ability mm-hmm. to read it well is that mm-hmm. I know my little children will listen to things they don't understand just because it's so like that I'm listening to with the older kids, for example, just because it's so enjoyable, I think, you know, yeah. for them to hear it. I love the fact that uh, I've also recorded a number of books that are appropriate for younger children, probably eight or 10 of them. And I've given them all to my daughter and her family. She's got four kids now. And every time I get in her van and she turns it on, I'm, That's I'm so, reading. Grandpa's reading to the kids. It's That's so good. Awesome. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> it is awesome. I love it. I, yeah. I just yeah. love it. Yeah. It's really And that was, you know, another reason that I was, I'm so particular about who I record and what I record. You said that there are several books of yours that are appropriate for younger children. Maybe Uh can you give us some of the titles so our listeners know? And by the way, if you're listening to this and you're thinking, I need to jot these down, we'll have them all for you in the show notes. So head to readaloudrevival.com and look for the episode with Jim Hodges and you'll be able to grab links to all of those. But Jim, why don't you tell us some of those books? There are, I've got one that I sell every November, and it's called Stories of the Pilgrims, and it's by Margaret Pumphreys. It's actually a pretty popular title in homeschooling and just like Christian school, elementary schools, where she tells the story of the pilgrims from the children's point of view, from William Brewster's kids' viewpoint. It's a perennial favorite, one of my best all-time download sales. I've got Four Great Americans. I've got American History Stories, which was really a series of four textbooks that were used in early American history, early elementary grades for American history. And there are 200 very, very short stories with kids as heroes. And you're introduced to all the famous characters from American history. I did just record, and I don't think they're even on my uh, children's website, you know, children's page website yet. Uncle Wiggly stories. Oh, I love those. They're fantastic. (laughs) Um, I was at my daughter's house and she said, you know, hey, Papa, can you read to the boys? Yeah, sure. What do you got? And so we pulled Uncle Wiggly off the shelf and I read three or four of them. And it was like, oh, my gosh, these are so entertaining. These are so fun. Great moral stories. But, you know, it's animals that talk, you know. So I got one of those done. A gentleman approached me at a homeschool convention this year. He wrote a series of books about firemen. It's called Uncle Rocky Fireman. Oh, so, I've seen that. I have that on my shelf. They sent me one. Are you kidding me? Mm-hmm. Yeah. My boys, my little boys love slipping through that book. And they, we also have, um, there's a policeman. 
Yes, yes, yeah, yeah. yes. There is. I can't remember the he name. He doesn't have enough in the policeman series. James Bird Brewster is the author's name. Mm-hmm. And he came to me at the CHAP convention last year and we talked and I said, dude, I would love to record these for you. These are fantastic. So yeah. there's 24 of the fireman books. Yeah. Pardon me. There's 24 of the fireman stories. There's only four of them that are actually in book form, but I've recorded all 24 of them. And as he is able, he's going to be publishing the rest of them. So that's available. That's fantastic. I'm going to, I'm looking at his website now and we'll make sure we put a link to this in the show notes because. Yes, Officer Jack is the policeman. Set. Officer Jack, right. Uncle Rocky is the fireman. They sent me a few of these, and I, before I even had a chance to look at them, I had just set them down on the table and started doing something, probably making dinner or something. My two three-year-old boys were like, you could not take the books out of their hands oh, that oh, after nice. because they're really well illustrated too. So, oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. The illustrator is really good. I'm hopeful that he unlike many other children's book authors, is able to retain that illustrator because you want the same look all the way through. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. so many people, you know, the illustrator is around for a few years and then they say, well, I want to move on to something else. And now you got, you know, different. Anyway, I hope he can hold on to the illustrator because those books, they're so honoring of the profession. Yeah. And they're not overtly Christian, but all of the characters are obviously God-fearing people. Every episode ends with, Glad to do it. Yeah, I know. <laughs> <You> know? I <laughs> yeah. They're really nice. So I've got a number of children's books that I just issued. There are 19th century editions of Peter of New Amsterdam and Richard of Jamestown. And these are stories of other early American settlements through the eyes of young people. And I'm I'm a big American history guy. So those are really good books, too. You learn a lot more than you know, New York used to be New Amsterdam. Well, why did it used to be New Amsterdam? Why is it New York now? Who settled New Amsterdam? You know, they bought Staten Island from the Indians for 24 bucks. All of those stories are contained in these books as well. So there's quite a bit of, you know, quite elementary level recordings that are available also. I think I've got close to 50 now. I What's been your favorite, favorite book to record out of all of them? Can you pick a favorite? I think it would have to be... I think it's got to be Beric the Briton. It's a story of uh, Britain, obviously. Monica and I and our kids were fortunate enough to have gone to London and Bath in England for just a couple of days many, many years ago. It was part of a longer trip. But, you know, we were at the Tower of London and we were in Bath and some of the buildings had date markers on them. And one of the date markers was 60. You know, six zero. Wow. <laughs> the Romans were there and had and had put baths together, you know, hot baths, that natural natural springs coming up. And so they, you know, hewed a bunch of rocks and built buildings and made pools. And that was in bath. So I was just my it just blew my mind that, you know, that they had been in England that long ago. Well, that's the time period that Beric the Briton is set in. And it takes place in Londonium. And uh the native tribes rise up in rebellion against their Roman overlords, and they are crushed. They are crushed mercilessly. And Beric is taken captive as a slave, and this is what Rome did, and this is kind of how you learn history. Rome conquers you. They rule you for a while. You rise up in rebellion. We crush you. You have to pay tribute. We take some of your young men, and we train them in our way, and then if you keep giving us a hard time, we'll, t- we'll take more of them, and we'll make them as slaves. So that's what they did. So Beric is taken as a slave to Rome. While he is there, he meets a family of Christians. 
he's trained as a gladiator. He goes as part of his training to the Colosseum to see what his job's going to be, you know, go out there and fight and kill people. And he sees one of his friends, this young girl being taken out, and they're, they're going to let the lions loose on them. So he jumps into the ring and he goes up to Nero and he says, that girl is no threat to your empire. I'll fight the lion. And so he ties the lion up and saves the life of the young girl. And, you know, it's just this great, great scene of somebody who's willing to just lay it all on the line for their friend. And he's not a Christian, but he becomes one at the end of the book. And it's just this big, I consider it Henty's magnum opus. It is not the longest recording, but only by four minutes shy. Okay. The longest recording of a Henty novel. It was 399 pages, took wow. forever to wow. get done, but it's a great, great book. It really is. It's a great book. So that was probably my favorite. Okay. I haven't heard that one, so I'll have to add that one to our list. We'll get back to the show in just a minute. At the beginning of today's episode, I mentioned that what I propose for this summer is a relaxed and simple plan that offers just enough structure to keep your days from melting into chaos and just enough fun to keep your kids asking for more. And what summer wouldn't be much, much better with a whole bunch of fairy tales? Well, I'm teaching a free workshop called Three Simple Steps to a Fairy Tale Summer and here's what we're going to talk about. First, how reading fairy tales can make your summer easier. Yes, easier. We wanna take things off your plate this summer, not put more on, right? <laughs> fairy tales can make your summer easier and more fun. I'm also gonna share the fairy tales I recommend for every age and the tippy top thing you can do to make sure your kids make delightful memories this summer. It is way less work and way less pressure than you think. The free workshop is happening live online on May 7th, 2024, and you can save your free seat by texting the word fairy tale, all one word, to the number 33777. And yes, there's a replay, so make sure you register even if you can't join us live on May 7th. Again, text the word fairy tale, all one word, to the number 33777. read that you've described listening to audiobooks as reading with your ears, which I just yeah. I like that. I love that because sometimes I think that parents and teachers, we have this tendency to think that listening to audiobooks is like cheating. It's not like real reading if they're not reading for themselves, which mm -hmm. Andrew Putua from the Institute for Excellence in Writing debunked right. in episode one of Read Loud Revivals. If you haven't Absolutely. heard that one, you want to go back really. and listen to it. So tell me more about what you love about this concept of reading with your ears. If you're hearing an unabridged recording and you listen to every word for all intents and purposes at the end of that you have read that book there's no reason because it came in through your ears that it's any different than coming in through your eyes sometimes better even i know that like with my son who was a late reader he would read when he would encounter words that he didn't know how to read right away he'd skip over them right but right. like we do as grownups too, when we're reading something we don't know how to pronounce a well, lot of you know, times. But I don't do that. I've read so much. Yeah. And so much from different languages and not, not that I can read different languages, but 
since I've read so many Hentis, I've had I've been forced to be exposed to so many words from different cultures that I immediately try to figure out, okay, what's the etymology of this word? Who's saying it? Where are we? How do I think that a native would? And then I'll look it up because Mm -hmm. I'm a words guy. So I'm always good. So anyway, I didn't mean to interrupt you, but no, no, I I interrupted you actually. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, I was going to say when he's listening to an audiobook and someone's reading it to him, he gets everything that's in the book, no matter if he starts to, you know, you can't skim an audiobook. And And I do. I tell parents all the time, if you can have your kids follow along in the text. Because that will, it will force them into, it's almost like grabbing them and pulling them up to a higher reading level because I'm doing all the heavy lifting. All they have to do is track. So, you know, you teach any skill, you know, having somebody with you while you do it, and then you hold their hands while you do it together, and then you let them go and do it on their own. So when a kid is two or three, we're reading to them. And then when they get to that age, you slow down and you put your finger across and you and you go the the uh the the cat cat and you start you start doing that. Well, what's the difference between that and having the text of a henti in front of you or Treasure Island, which I've also recorded, or you know those types of things, and then and have them hear somebody else read it as they're following along. It's the same thing. And if they can learn that. Anybody else is able to take, you know, ink on paper and turn it into a lively story, then all of a sudden they go, wow, I can do that in my head. And all of a sudden a book is not a drudgery. It's something that can be relished and look forward to, oh, where is this book going to take me today? You know, and so that's what a great benefit. Well, there's a couple of times in my adulthood where I've listened to audiobooks and really have completely understood why this is so beneficial. One was recently when I was reading for a read aloud revival book club at a lot of the women in the group read Twelfth Night together. And as I was reading Twelfth Night myself, I enjoyed it. But then one of the ladies in our group said, you know, you should try listening to the audio while you're reading. And so I did exactly what you said. And I was reading the play in front of me at the same time I was listening to it. And it took on a whole nother meaning. I could visualize on the stage. I could hear the way that because, of course, it was dramatized by these brilliant Shakespearean actors and actresses. Yeah, it was great. And then the other time that I really feel like recently has been beneficial for me to listen is when I was listening to David Copperfield by Charles Dickens. And I think because maybe the way that they say words or not really sure what it is that made that book come alive. But if you're struggling to make a classic come alive, reading it on your own, even as an adult, I think listening to it while you're reading especially can be so effective or listening to it while you're doing the laundry. But, you know, (laughs) because the reader didn't just pick up that thing cold and start reading it. He spent time with it. He already read it half a dozen times. He knows exactly, to the best of his ability, how the author heard it in his head when he was writing it. He can figure out, okay, this sentence doesn't make any sense unless I emphasize this word, or if I put a comma here. And that is critical for, you know, they call it an analysis and interpretation of literature. They're meaning it one way. I'm meaning, how do you read this so that it makes sense to the reader? And believe me, there are times when I look at a Henty sentence and I go, I have no idea what you are trying to say here. I don't get this (laughs) Mm -hmm. because there isn't any punctuation, maybe. 
And so I have to read it over and over and over. And what I do is, as I'm prepping, I'm usually reading the physical book. But when I'm recording, I have the text on the screen. And I've got my audio recording software on the other half of the screen. And I can go through that text and I can put in a comma. I can highlight a word and underline it. And that way I know, okay, if I emphasize that word, then this sentence makes sense. When you're reading a work cold, you don't have the time necessarily to read that sentence over and over and over and over again. But if you're listening while you're reading it and the other guy has done that, eh, and that's what I'm saying, you know, the reader is doing the, the heavy lifting. He's already done all of that work in his head and hopefully and ostensibly has a natural or a trained ability to read things out loud in such a way that they are engaging and make sense and all of that. And that's what I do. And that's what these guys were doing. They've read David Copperfield. They know the story. They've read this paragraph. I mean, they don't just go, what are we recording today? Oh, Copperfield. Okay. (laughs) Where's the script? You know, they're not just sitting down cold. They've spent some time with it. So yeah, that would help anybody who is wanting to follow along to interpret that text by having somebody else read it out loud to them. Yeah. Yeah. I I, love how you say it's doing the heavy lifting. Rebecca Bellingham was on the Read Aloud Revival. She's done a TED Talk called Why We Should All Be Reading Aloud to Children. And I'm just going to look. Yeah. It's really a fantastic TED Talk. It was very inspiring. We had her on episode 49 of the podcast. So if you haven't heard her yet, you can go to readaloudrevival.com and look for episode 49 with Rebecca Bellingham. And one of the things that she said was why reading aloud is so beneficial, especially for kids who are just learning to read or who have just recently learned to read. That's often the time when we stop reading to kids because now they can read on their own, but they can listen at a higher level than they can read. And all that heavy lifting, exactly like you said, the cadence, how to say something, how to pronounce a hard word. We do all of that hard legwork for them and then they can enjoy the story. And then if we want to grow kids who love stories, we want those early experiences just to be delightful. and. I kept reading to my kids long after they knew how to read. It was a nightly routine. Hardy boys, kidnapped, you know, just whatever. And the other thing that I loved to do, well, one thing I loved was when they was like, one more chapter, one more chapter, (laughs) because I really didn't want to quit reading. (laughs) So (laughs) works. But what I would, it kind of left, we homeschooled our kids. So that was like part of our homeschool, but it was just an enjoyable thing that we did at night before they went to bed. And what I would do is I would sit down, I'd say, where are we? What's happening in the story? I wouldn't pick up until they had brought me up to speed on the storyline, which reinforced the story in them. It made them think about, okay, I'm not just here to suck up information. If I'm not retaining it, then I'm really not sucking up information. I'm just listening. So I made them mentally prepare by telling me back where we were in the storyline, what was happening. And then I'd say, okay, good. All right. Now you know where we are. And then I didn't have to explain it to them. I made them come up with it again. And all I'd done was read it to them before. So it's obvious that they're getting the story, even though they're not the ones reading. And, you know, we're talking middle school. I'm still reading to them because it was an enjoyable activity for both of us. You know, well, three of them and one of me. (laughs) I love it when the one who tells you back what happened is the one that you weren't really sure was listening. (laughs) Yeah, right. (laughs) Yeah. That's another amazing thing. I can't tell you the numbers of times moms have told me, you know, when I'm reading out loud to him, he doesn't even look like he's paying attention. 
And, I, and then all I do is say, but, and they go, exactly. He's over there playing with Legos or coloring or climbing on the furniture or something. And if I stop reading, his head snaps. It's like, what'd you stop reading for? Yeah. Well, you're not paying attention. Yes, I am. Yeah. And that's an auditory learner. And, and a lot of times, you know, kids need to be tactile. We would often let them color or play Legos or something while we were reading to them because, you know, God did not make children to sit with their hands folded on their lap. It's just not, it's just not natural for a lot of kids. My grandkids, all of them, if I sit down on the couch, it doesn't matter what they're doing. And we had all seven of them together not long ago. It was, it was just heavenly. And I sat down on the couch. They were all playing in the living room. Blah, and I sat down. And I just opened a book and started reading out loud. And within 30 seconds, all seven of them were lined up on the so couch good. sitting watching. And, you know, they wanted to follow along in the book. And it's just it's a great bonding experience, too. And it can happen with audiobooks as well as with books. I mean, it just can. Let them do something with their hands. Very often, they're paying much better attention if you let them do something with their hands than if you make them sit perfectly still. And this way, you can be folding laundry or, you know, something like that. Or everybody can be folding laundry or doing dishes, cleaning up in the kitchen while they're listening, and everybody gets something good out of that. Well, Jim, this has been wonderful. I knew it would be. I'm excited to introduce you to the Read Aloud Revival community. So I appreciate you coming to talk to me. Now it's time for Let the Kids Speak. This is my favorite part of the podcast, where kids tell us about their favorite stories that have been read aloud to them. My name is... Eric Bueller. I'm from San Antonio, Texas. I am eight years old. My favorite book is Prince Caspian. And my favorite part is when they found a lion. What's your name? Eliza Bueller. How old are you? Three. What's your favorite book? Farmer Boy. What happened in Farmer Boy? Um, the pig had a sticky candy on his mouth and he ran. The, mouth, the pig was running around with sticky candy in his yeah. mouth? <laughs> What's your name? Emily. How old are you? Five. Where are you from? Texas. San Antonio? Texas, San Antonio. What's your favorite book? Um, Mouth and the Motorcycle. What do you like about that book? I like about that book, The Mouth of Riding a Motorcycle, and I got vacuum. Hi, I'm Calvin. I'm four years old. Oh, hi. And what's your favorite book? Duck and a Tractor. Why do you like that book? Because of the city. <laughs> Hi, my name is Sophia, and my favorite book is Betsy and Casey. <laughs> and I like it because they learn how to fly, and they jump off these boxes, and they and they pretend like they're birds, they're best friends, and they meet a girl, and her name is. Tib and they all became friends and and I'm six years old 
and I live in Maryland, and my name is Sophia. Hi, my name is Duncan. I live in Maryland, and I'm nine years old, and I'm in fourth grade. My favorite audiobook is The Biggest Bear, and I like it because it's a book and about bears, because I like bears. And it's a really good book about this boy who found a baby bear, and he feeds it and takes care until he grows up to the biggest bear. And I really like it because it's so cool, and it's adventure, and it has, and it's old time where people shoot animals to get their food, and I've done my audiobook. Hi, my name is Owen. I am a nine. I'm nine years old, and I am fourth grade, and I'm Ruben Maryland. My favorite book is Excited Peter Brown. I like him because he's my age. He solves his own mysteries in this town, and his village is just like my village, and he goes in his cop car with Dad, and sometimes he does solve mysteries about in his brick house, in his kitchen, while eating dinner. Hello, my name is Caleb. I'm six and a half years old. I live in Illinois. My favorite book is Pippi Longstocking. I like it because it's about a funny girl. One funny thing is that she one time sent a letter to herself and another funny thing is that crying makes her happy. <laughs> we have the giggles today. <laughs> that was so much fun. Thank you so much, kids. Those were wonderful. And hey, if your kids haven't left a message for the Read Aloud Revival to be aired on the show yet, go to readaloudrevival.com, scroll to the bottom of the page, and they can leave a message there. Super easy to do. It's the click of a button. I love hearing from moms and dads, too. Books that you've enjoyed, questions that you might want me to answer on air. I'll take them all. Head to readaloudrevival.com and leave a message there. I would love to meet you in 2017. And if you're going to be at any of the great homeschool conventions in Fort Worth, Texas, Greenville, South Carolina, Cincinnati, Ohio, or Ontario, California, or any of the other cities I'm speaking at in 2017, I would just love to give you a hug and meet you face to face. Head to the website so that you can find out where I'm going to be and when. Head to readaloudrevival.com. Look for episode 58 and check the show notes there. I'll have a link to my speaking calendar so you can find out if I'm going to be coming to a city near you. Now, usually when I'm traveling, we do Read Aloud Revival member meetup. So if you are a Read Aloud Revival member, you want to meet other revivalers in your area and get a little bit more access to myself at the event, then I would love to meet you at a meetup. There's so much fun. We have coffee. We sit around and talk. We talk about books we're reading and Goodness, they are my favorite part of traveling. So if you're a member, make sure you check the membership. Look on the menu bar under membership and then meetups, and you will be able to see where we're doing member meetups all year long. Membership is going to be opening again soon, so you want to keep your ear to the ground on that. If you want to find out when we open those doors again, then you want to head to rarmembership.com and throw your email into the page there so you get word when we open. We'll only open the doors for 10 days, so you don't want to miss it. Okay, I think that's it for today. Hey, you know what? I love it when you join me. Thank you so much for joining me here. And until next time, go build your family culture around books. Mm-hmm.